All right, good morning. It is good to see you. I'm glad you're here. We are putting our regular teaching schedule on pause and readjusting things because this week has been a week of adjustment, has it not? We've had all kinds of adjustments, new news coming out each and every day, and all of us are trying to figure that out. So today we begin a message called, Do Not Be Afraid. And I think that that is exactly what we need to hear. Of course, there's so much to hear. I looked up this phrase and it shows up 74 times in the Bible and I thought, well, we can't do all of those. <laughs> so, but apparently we do have this propensity to be afraid and so we, de- we do need to talk about this and hang on to the hope that we have. So I, I am encouraged as I've looked at what God has for us today and I think you'll be encouraged as well. So Thursday we called a meeting with the lead team to make some adjustments, to make this place even a safer place than it already is and try to make some adjustments. We'll be making more adjustments as we go. And one of those adjustments we decided was instead of having the opened, uh, handled food at the snack counter, we would have packaged snacks so that there's less touching going on. That would be something that you would appreciate. But as soon as we did that, we needed to go out and buy a cart full of prepackaged snacks. And so Doug Freeman went out to Walmart and he had this cart loaded up with packages of cookies. Now that's not what was loaded up in the carts in the lines that he got in. In the lines that he got in, everybody's loaded up with toilet paper and what other supplies they're uh, getting ready for. And somebody in line in front of him kept looking at his cart <laughs> and looked to him and said, cookies? He says, Yeah, I'm going to use them to barter later for your toilet paper. So, we are not afraid. (laughs) We're buying cookies. I think that it would be helpful for us to get a little bit of perspective today and to hang on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I was made aware of a quote that's 72 years old from a favorite author of mine, C.S. Lewis. And so I want to share a quote that is 72 years old. Before I quote him directly, let me read this statement. It's now clear that COVID-19 is a deadly, serious global pandemic, and all necessary precautions should be taken. Still, C.S. Lewis's words, written 72 years ago, ring with some relevance for us. Just replace the words atomic bomb with the word coronavirus. Here's C.S. Lewis. I'm reading from a book he wrote in 1948. It's called Present Concerns, Journalistic Essays, and this particular essay is called On Living in an Atomic Age. I will not read the entire essay, just a few sentences. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. 
In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Isn't that interesting? And he says this 72 years ago, and it seems so apropos for this week for us at this time. What I'd like to do is jump into, I'm going to call it a story, but it's not really a story, it's an event. But behind the event is a story that applies to us today. And so just like your life is not a story, it's a life, but your life tells a story, this event tells a story that's bigger than the event itself. And it begins with Jesus at the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He tells about how a kingdom has come, and a kingdom is invading this world, and a kingdom is going to grow. And in a sense, he's rocking a kingdom that has already enveloped this dark globe and is establishing his own kingdom to take over this globe with a kingdom of light. And he's confronting a kingdom of darkness, and so there's this reverberation that is taking place in a realm that people cannot see. But we begin to enter into a narrative that's a true event that kind of illustrates that we've begun this conflict. It's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. And before we read the verse that I'm going to key in on, let me just set it up. Jesus was teaching on the shore. The crowds are gathering. It's just so full that he gets in a boat. He backs the boat away from the shore. It's a natural amphitheater at the Sea of Galilee. And after he's exhausted teaching for a lengthy time and ministering for a lengthy time, he says, let's go across the lake. Now, the Sea of Galilee is 696 feet below sea level. It's a place notorious for gusts of wind and violent storms that come at a moment's notice, and such a storm hit this boat. But by the time it hits, Jesus is fast asleep. He doesn't seem to be concerned. The boat is rocking and it doesn't wake him up. The boat is sloshing with water and he doesn't wake up. The fishermen who are seasoned and professional boatsmen are scared to death. They're convinced they're going to die. And so they wake Jesus up. And then in Mark, we read this in Mark chapter 4. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now, I want us to focus on those words that I've highlighted there for you on the screen, rebuked. You usually reserve a rebuke for a person that can adjust to a rebuke. You don't rebuke a chair. You don't rebuke a storm. There's nobody that listens. A storm doesn't have ears. A storm is weather. You don't rebuke weather, but Jesus did. What is going on here? Normally, in our language, we often quickly attribute to natural disaster, we usually like to call natural disasters, and even in the insurance world, an act of God. Is it? Not always, because here the Son of God is rebuking a natural disaster. It's not an act of his father he's rebuking. 
It comes from a darker source. In this cursed world, in the dark kingdom, there is a violent reaction to the kingdom preaching of Jesus. I think darkness would love to kill Jesus and all the disciples and stop the kingdom movement at his inception. And Jesus says, a rebuke, quiet. There's a rebellion going on in nature itself. Be still. And instantaneously, it is. And you thought the disciples were scared before they woke Jesus up? They are now. Well, we'll wait till later when I show you. In verse 40, we read, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Now, he's already quieted the storm, and he says, why are you so afraid? And that's a fair question, but I think their reaction would have been, because we're about to die? I mean, shouldn't we have been afraid? It was going to kill us. It was so obvious we were about to go down. But from Jesus' perspective, why are you so afraid? Now that's a fair question for us as well if we are in the boat with Jesus. Are we not, even now, in a storm? Are we not even now, in the boat with Jesus? Now, if you're not with Jesus in the boat, we have good reason to fear. But if you're in a storm with Jesus, he rightly asks, for our sakes, why are you so afraid? And he follows up his question, Do you still have no faith? They have just seen him quiet with one word or three words. Something that was huge in their thinking. It's totally out of their control. They have nothing they could do to save themselves. Let's get Jesus. Maybe he can help. We've seen him do amazing things. And they wake him up and Jesus does. With a spoken word, the ability to bless calms a curse and it is just quiet frighteningly so and then we read in verse 41 they were terrified and asked each other who is this even the wind and the waves obey him now you need to understand that in the original language, it's just like in the English in the translation here, they were afraid, now they're terrified. It's an amplification of the fear they had before. They thought they were going to die with something they understood, and now they're terrified by something they do not understand. There's something bigger in our boat than what we were about to be killed by. And now... They're terrified. And they ask the question, who is this that can command weather? That can command, I don't think they have any clue about this rebuke thing, that can command the powers of darkness. It does not matter whether it's cosmic hugeness in the space. It doesn't matter whether it's the Hugeness of weather in the turn of weather or whether it's a spiritual battle or whether it's a microscopic one. 
It doesn't matter what realm we're talking about. We're with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has all authority, bigger authority than anything anybody has ever seen before. And now they are terrified. He's bigger than the storm. I believe that this particular terror is a good one. On the screen is a reflect that reads this way. There is only one fear that can displace all other fears. And that one fear is light that displaces all darkness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the psalmists say and repeatedly, and Proverbs says it repeatedly, Job says it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This particular fear, when entered into properly, is a fear without fear. What? What is a fear that's terrifying that's a fear without fear? Maybe an illustration would help. Last week was an interesting week, was it not, with the weather here? (laughs) Rainy for a week, when's the last time we had that? I love a rainy day, and I love to have a fire in the wood-burning stove on a cold, rainy day. Now, I fear fire with a proper fear, but I love a fire in a wood-burning stove because my relationship to fire is an appropriate relationship in that setting. I obey all the rules, I contain the fire, I'm doing the things that I should do so that I have this relationship of blessing from the fire instead of a relationship of curse from the fire. But if I'm too casual with the fire, it will kill me and burn my house down. And when you have the fear of the Lord, we're talking about being in an appropriate relationship with the biggest power I guess I could just stop there. Biggest power. An appropriate relationship with the biggest power. So if we are in the boat with the biggest power and in a right relationship, an appropriate relationship with that being, why are you so afraid? And that's what this story is all about. But it's not story. It's reality. Let me share with you my story. For the last two years, I've been declaring faith statements. These are my faith declarations. I'll put them on the screen. I'm only giving you the first five, and I have a whole page of them that I say, to reshape my thinking, to reshape the way I'm aimed. I start with, I am not stuck in worry because I trust Jesus who gives me peace. I am more than a conqueror. I am the light of the world. I am strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Jesus is the center of my life. I exist to serve and honor him. It is not by accident that the very first statement is where I live. I am not stuck in worry. I say that because I am often stuck in worry. I am not stuck in worry because I trust Jesus who gives me peace. And just by declaring it, I'm shifting out of worry into worship. 
Folks, <laughs> worship is the antidote to worry. Faith is the antidote to fear. And so go there. And as I go there, it really, truly helps me. So I'm not speaking today as a person who has no fears. I'm not speaking today as a person who's got this worry thing completely figured out. I'm speaking as a person who knows where my hope lies, who knows what is the source of my strength, what is the source of my courage, what is the source of my security. I go to the source. And I want to give you the source, I want to give you the answers that will supply you with the hope, with the courage, with the strength to not be afraid. And so that's where we're going today. Point number one. What you believe about God affects your fears. What you believe about God affects your fears. So with a statement like that, I want to follow that up with another reflect statement. If you believe God is distant and disinterested, you will be ravaged by fear. So throughout this week, as the news rolls out, and we're reeling with the news, and how do we handle the news, and what are we supposed to do? And it feels out of control. Hello, we're in a boat, and we are out of control of the storm. We do not have control of the storm. You can try to control the storm by stockpiling, but you don't have control of the storm. You can try to protect yourself, but you don't really have security that you can manufacture. If you believe God is distant and disinterested and you're trying to do everything you can to manage your fears, watch out because fear will ravage you. The more you try to protect yourself with the trumped up security you're trying to trump up and protect yourself and control that which is uncontrollable, the worse you will fear. Because you're starting to believe that God is distant and disinterested. Point number two. God is intimate and involved, and those are chosen carefully. He is the opposite of distant and disinterested. He is intimate and involved. Psalm 139 reads, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Now, I don't want you to hear that as the psalmist describing his own life. I want you to hear it as the word of God describing your life. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me, he does. You know when I sit and when I rise, he does. You perceive my thoughts from afar. There's not a thought you've ever had that he has not been aware of. He knows. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. He knows you. He knows you intimately. He wants to be involved in your life. To some people, that idea that God knows my thoughts, God knows my every action, God knows everything about me is very, very comforting. To other people, it's terrifying. It's terrifying that he knows every dark thought, those things that I'm busy managing, making sure nobody knows that darkness that is me. God knows. But he loves you anyway. He loves you so much that he sent his son to take that darkness away. And Paul says this as if we were there. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you that much. He sends his son for you and knows you and knows your darkness and he's 
done what he needs to do to remove that darkness because he wants a personal, intimate relationship with you. And so it probably goes without saying, but no, I better say it. If he loves you that much, you need to talk to him. You need to worship him. You need to put your face in his direction intentionally every day because worship is the antidote to worry. Faith is the antidote to fear. Every time you go to worship, your worship gets bigger. Your worry gets smaller. Every time you go to worry, your worry gets bigger. Your worship gets smaller. Every time you go to fear, your fear gets bigger and your faith gets smaller. There are choices to be made with this God who loves you. Put your face in his direction. Talk to him about every fear and worship and lay it out before him. He is intimate and involved. The next reflect is if you believe God is insensitive and uncaring, you will be ravaged by fear. So insensitive and uncaring, let's choose carefully the antidote to this error. God is kind and compassionate, point number three. He is kind and compassionate. He is not insensitive. He is not uncaring. He is kind and compassionate. I'm going to read out of Psalms 103, verse 8 and then 14 through 18. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, Skipping to verse 14, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. How depressing if that's all there is. The psalmist doesn't stop there. Yes, our life is short. Yes, if it is up to the memory of just those around us, we're quickly forgotten. But the Lord never forgets. And he's kind and compassionate. We read verse 17, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, with those who keep his covenant. I think that's what it means to have a fear for God. You're keeping his covenant. You're in covenant with him. He sent his son Jesus to establish a covenant through his blood. He dies on the cross. He takes his, our sins in his body to take our sins away so that we could die to sin and live for him. That's a proper relationship to this almighty. It's a relationship response to kindness and compassion, intimacy and love. Point number four, God is your shield and reward. Way back in the early covenant with Abram, even before his name was changed to Abraham, we read these words. After this, after what? After he kind of took on some kings and kingdoms and saved his his nephew and others, and he's kind of stirred up a hornet's nest. Now all these kingdoms are going to be on his tail. After this, he is comforted by the word of the Lord, who comes to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield. Yes, you're outnumbered. Yes, they're more powerful. Yes, they could kill you. But no, they can't. 
I am your shield. I've already promised I'm going to bless you through you. The entire world is going to be blessed. I am your shield and your very great reward. What are you using as your shield? What are you busy maneuvering to make sure you have a buffer, a shield of protection, to try to control the outcomes? I'm telling you, there is no security outside of God. There's no security outside of the boat. You have to enter into covenant and get in the boat with Jesus. If the storm is raging and it looks like it's going to kill you, stay in the boat with Jesus. And if you're afraid because you're not in the boat, that's a fear you should have. Enter into covenant with Jesus who brings us through to safety. God is your shield and reward. Psalm 16, 8 through 9 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Where's your eyes? Every time we go to fear, your faith diminishes and your fear increases. If you go to your faith and hang on, keep your eyes on Jesus, walk with Jesus, your fears get smaller, his glory gets brighter. And your worship grows larger. Your confidence increases. But there's choices to be made which way you look. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. He brings peace. Sleep, confidence, joy. He is our peace. He is our security. Go to him. Talk to him. He wants intimacy from you. Point number five, God will never leave you nor forsake you. In Deuteronomy, we read this. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. Sneaking suspicion, Joshua needed to hear this because he doesn't feel strong and he doesn't feel courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Of all people that are there, Joshua and Caleb are the ones who have the most reason to fear because they had been among the spies who spied out the land some 40 years previous and they had seen the fortifications. They had seen the armies. They had seen the trained warriors that were way bigger than them. And they realized that they looked at Israel this invading million as nothing but little grasshoppers. In fact, they themselves felt like little grasshoppers that could just be stomped out by the power of the people that occupied the promised land. And so when they're about to enter in, nothing has changed except Joshua is reminded, I will be with you. Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid, Do not be discouraged. 
And we arrive at the scene as followers of Jesus at the same point when he rises from the dead and says the same thing to us, go into the globe. It's a world of darkness. You teach all about me. I will be with you always. Matthew 28, 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This clash between kingdoms, you're the answer. Bring light to the darkness. But it's the whole globe. They're bigger than us. We are outnumbered. The promised land is for them too. Rescue them. I will be with you. In John 14, 27, we read this. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Where are you looking for security? Where do you grab a little peace? Is it comedy? I just need a little comedy right now. I just need to tune out. I just need to escape Not like the world gives peace. Is it just a little bit of comfort? Not like the world gives peace. I give you a peace, Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And here it is. And do not be afraid. Jesus is our sure foundation, our security. He's in our boat with one word. Everything is covered. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, hold the boat. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Folks, we need to be thankful this week. We need to be worshipful this week. We need to be praising this week. This worship is what makes the worry small. This faith where we are thankful that God is in our boat. We are thankful that he's in charge. We're thankful that he's not surprised. We're thankful that he knows the, what's coming next week. I don't. He does. And I worry about how to lead this ship all the time. It's like, okay, Jesus, this is your church. You lead it. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust you. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a mind-blowing peace that you can't explain. Go there. Do this. If you've not memorized this, this is the time. Memorize this. Bring that truth into your thinking so that you will not be afraid. Romans 8, 37 through 39 reads, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is king of kings. He is our security. He is our solid rock. He is bigger than the cosmic powers. He's bigger than spiritual powers. He's bigger than microscopic realms. Every realm, spiritual, physical, microscopic, cosmic, he is king. And he has control. And he is not surprised. I don't know where it's going, but he does. And I want to be in the boat with him. Because it's the safest place to be. 
I will not be afraid. Why? Because I'm a conqueror. I'm the light of the world. This is our time to shine. Because the world is filled with fear. And they need hope. They need answers. They're dealing with the storm without a boat. They're dealing with the storm without a savior. They're dealing with life and death issues without a hope, without a prayer, without the hope of heaven. We have answers. We have peace. We have Jesus. I want to finish today by encouraging you to make my faith declarations your faith declarations. Let's stand together. This really helps me. I'm hoping it'll help you too. Let's say these out loud. I am not stuck in worry because I trust Jesus who gives me peace. I am more than a conqueror. I am the light of the world. I am strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Jesus is the center of my life. I exist to serve and honor him. So what does that look like for you this week? I don't know. Why don't you talk to God about it? Where you are not the center, Jesus is. Where his honor is the center and you serve him. What will that look like? This week, next week, next month, next year, I don't know. Let's honor Jesus. What will I preach on next week? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen this week. Stay tuned. The hope is real. Jesus is our king, and we need instructions as we walk through the storm. He's in our boat. God bless you. See you next week.